Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Litigation Radio. I'm your host, Dave Scriven-Young. I'm a commercial and environmental litigator in the Chicago office of Bakar and Abramson. We're in Miami Beach for the ABA Litigation Section Annual Conference, and we're proud to bring you some interviews with several of the extraordinary presenters. With me today is Michael Mukasey, who is the former U.S. Attorney General, and former Chief Judge of the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York. He just finished being a speaker at the plenary this morning entitled Attorney General of the United States, is the United States really the client? And Mr. Mukasey, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks, Dave. Well, just wanted to kind of uh, give some context to the conversation. Obviously, the litigation section, while we do have several members who are criminal lawyers, a lot of us are civil attorneys. So why do you think it's important for attorneys like me, attorneys like a lot of our listeners to get this information at a conference such as the section annual conference? Well, I think lawyers are correctly assumed to have a discipline in clear thinking and in thinking through facts and issues. And uh, particularly these days, uh, it's important that they bring those skills to bear on public discussion, which has become, uh, as we mentioned at the conference, uh, uh, very divisive and and, uh, uh, people going off to their corners and extremes. Lawyers in that situation, I think, have a particular responsibility to focus people's attention on the way things really happened. Things in this world, of course, happen one way and one way only and on what the law is, which is generally fairly well settled, and if it's not, for the lawyers to to explain that. Rather than having the discussion uh, proceed according to narratives that start from somebody's assumed political position and go from there. As lawyers, we get questioned all the time, you know, from by family members and perhaps by the press about what we think about current issues. And to me, it's really important to come to a conference like this to get an understanding from experts like yourself of these critical, you know, current event type issues. Well, I think that it's it's one thing for people who have experience uh, to in in direct involvement in these issues to talk to lawyers, but I think the lawyers are the real experts in clear thinking, or should be, and they ought to focus themselves and their colleagues on trying to be as clear as possible, as precise as possible in their, in their language and in their analysis and dealing with, with uh, issues that are of, of particularly uh, controversial issues, divisive issues. Lawyers can bring a real contribution, a real value to that discussion in toning down the heat and raising up the light. Well, let me ask you uh, more about sort of the topic that you talked about today. I think you mentioned your commission when you uh, became U.S. Attorney General, which is you were appointed for the pleasure of the president for the time being. What did that mean to you uh, when you were appointed? Well, what it says is that I that I that I serve at the pleasure of the president uh, for the time being, and I think president for the time being means the president in the current administration, but at the pleasure of the president means literally what it says. The president can appoint you with the advice and consent of the Senate, but uh, in this case law on this, he can fire you on his own authority. And, um, and so you, you serve at the, ple- at the president's pleasure. Um, that's not to say that you do your job on a daily basis according to what the president wants. You do your job on the basis of what you think the principles of law and the actual facts dictate. Um, but the fact is that ultimately you do serve at the president's pleasure. Well, let me ask you, because uh, you often hear kind of in the press, 
the Department of Justice as an independent agency should be outside the scope of what the president's views are, whims are. What is your view on that in terms of whether uh, and and how the DOJ acts independently? Well, the DOJ is not an independent agency. In fact, it's interesting at the time of Watergate, Senator Irvin introduced legislation to try to make the DOJ an independent agency and uh, have the attorney general appointed for a term of years subject to removal only for, only for, for good cause. Uh, good cause, of course, is a very elusive concept. That legislation never went anyplace. Um, the fact is that the Department of Justice is part of the executive, and um, Article 2 of the Constitution says that the executive power is vouchsafed to the president of the United States. It doesn't say except a little bit of the executive power. It says the executive power, all of it. That said, because the standards that govern on a day-to-day basis at the Department of Justice are standards that are something other than the president's desire and whim, uh, those are the standards to which uh, the lawyers of the department adhere and to which the attorney general adheres. And to a certain extent, uh, the attorney general is particularly in the prosecution of individual cases, be they criminal, be they civil, independent of the White House in the sense that the attorney general doesn't consult with the White House about them and isn't pressured and or, or uh, importuned by the White House with respect to them. Well, one of the more fascinating discussions I thought during your presentation today with your co-panelists was kind of the, the idea about what happens when you get contacted by people in the political branches, senators, congressmen, even the president about a, a specific investigation that they would you know, like to see happen, for example, and that there was a specific policy that the uh, that was instituted. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, I think generally, because the attorney general is a, is a part of an administration, there's some obligation to pursue policies broadly uh, that are consistent with the policies that an administration wants to put into play. So, for example, uh, if an administration um, is, is elected on a platform that includes uh, cracking down on, on uh, drug cartels or, or cracking down on securities fraud, uh, then broadly, those are the kinds of cases that, uh, that the department ought to emphasize and to which it ought to allocate its, allocate its resources. That said, you can't be contacted by or you shouldn't be contacted by the White House or any other elected official for that matter with respect to a particular drug case or a particular securities fraud case. And we have procedures at the department that if any uh, department lawyer is contacted by any of those people, they have to refer it to somebody who is a political appointee that is politically responsible and such that their function is a matter of, of public interest and subject to, to being politically answerable. And that's how, that's how that works. As a practical matter, that kind of pressure and those kinds of calls uh, don't come unless you have somebody like our former president who would sound off in public, which is a whole different thing. I guess kind of a wrap-up point would be, I think you talked a little, a lot about sort of a lawyer's obligation to the facts and the law as opposed to kind of a, uh, an overall narrative that either the press or the lawyer themselves want to, or their clients want to advance. Can you talk a little bit more about kind of how that, how that works within, uh, how that worked within the DOJ when you were there? Well, obviously, our, all the DOJ uh, relationships with the press were handled uh, through the press office, unless there was a press availability, uh, an interview uh, by the press, which I used to do every couple of weeks, 
as a practical matter, when particularly when we're talking about a criminal case, those shouldn't be discussed uh, while they're under investigation. And after an, an indictment, if an indictment has been brought, the only thing that ought to be uh, disclosed is the charges in the indictment and nothing other than that. And that's pretty much the script uh, to which uh, the department ought to adhere. And uh, that's the standard that we all try to meet. Excellent. Well, former Attorney General Mike B. Casey, thank you so much for being on the show today. And thank you for speaking at, at the conference. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Thank you. And that's all we have for our show today. And I want to thank uh, Michelle Oberts, who's on staff at the litigation section, who helped with scheduling our in-person interviews for the podcast, as well as our fabulous producer, Rich Rivera. Thanks for your hard work. Thanks goes out to the co-chairs of the litigation section's audio content committee, Josh Jones and Tyler True. Thank you to Lawrence Coletti and the audio professionals from Legal Talk Network. And last but not least, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Thank you.